Let's talk macro into the closing balance. We've got a lot of data coming in tomorrow. The dollar has been pinned around 90, same level it was basically when we started this year. Our next guest, Emily Rowland, joins us from John Hancock, the co-chief investment strategist. Emily, the first thing in your notes you sent us is that dollars on the brink of falling into the abyss. Is this like a run out and buy Bitcoin argument or is it a the rest of the world's getting better and we should be happy about this argument? Well, it certainly is fueling this risk on environment that we're seeing. There's almost an insatiable, you know, appetite for risk right now. And you're seeing it, you know, not only across more traditional asset classes that benefit from a weaker dollar areas like European equities, which have caught a bid. Um, value tends to do well in these types of environments, cyclical parts of the market, you know, of course, the commodity complex and energy. You know, but you're also seeing elements of risk in some of the areas like like the meme stocks, the heavily shorted small cap stocks, areas like cryptocurrency. And the way that we're actually Oliver thinking about this is, you know, it's tough as a as a multi-asset investor right now to make sure that you have enough risk in a portfolio to, to really kind of keep up in this environment. But we also want to be very thoughtful here about risk management. We are getting some mixed signals right now. The yield on the 10-year treasury really hasn't budged since about mid-March. We're sitting at around 160 here. That's telling us that this reflationary narrative perhaps was already priced into the markets. We're seeing things like the City Economic Surprise Index actually rolling over into negative territory. Mm -hmm. Not a bad thing, doesn't necessarily mean economic growth can't continue, but the biggest upside surprises to this growth narrative that's been playing out are probably behind us at this point. So we don't wanna to go too far over our skis here and taking risk. We really wanna be thoughtful about the way that we do it and keep some defensive elements in a portfolio here. How do you view the dollar's relationship with U.S. equities in particular when it was pretty inverse one-to-one? Uh, -one? If the dollar was down any given day in 2020, you could probably count on equities being higher. The narrative being very closely tied to that stimulus, but going forward, maybe a little bit more complicated, kind of different stimulus, more targeted perhaps. It's not just a helicopter drop. There might be some taxes involved. And then you combine that with the rest of the world come back, as you point out some of these European EM funds have been doing well the last week. How does that change the way we should think about equities in the relationship with the dollar, if it does? Yeah, so oh, great question. And over the longer term, the way that we think about currency dynamics is it's a relative economic growth game. What we saw in the beginning of 2021 was that US economic data was coming in the best out of everywhere in the world. It was improving everywhere, but the US was sort of going into fifth gear while the rest of the world was being held back a bit, whether it was challenges with the virus or the rollout of the vaccine. And now what we're seeing is, you know, the party is growing here to, to include global equities. And when we looked at the May PMI data that came out, uh, yesterday, we saw that, you know, while it was surprised on the upside in the U.S. at 62.1, it surprised on the upside even more overseas at 63.1 for the Eurozone manufacturing PMI. So the rest of the world is starting to participate in what we think of as this global synchronized growth story. And, and usually with these growth environments, when we do see synchronized growth, the last example of this, uh, was back in, in 2017, that is an environment where the dollar tends to weaken. It is a risk off currency. And in those environments, they typically do favor overseas equities. Emerging market equities was kind of left out of the party in the beginning, but now is also starting to participate. So we do believe that global equities will play an important role in a portfolio, particularly mm. if this 
weaker dollar environment persists. So it may not necessarily be as clear cut uh, as it was last year for U.S. stocks, uh, perhaps. Uh, in this moment, as you point out, there's still some froth rotating around in the markets. What does it mean in terms of inflation, specifically as we kind of think about Friday, this employment print everybody's watching? Because uh, at the beginning of the year, we got yields up and we got the dollar up, that best house on the block story, the vaccinations and such. Uh, if inflation starts getting problematic, uh, is the dollar going to tell us something there? Could we get yields higher, a dollar down this time around? Yeah, it's a, it is a complicated story now. And, you know, typically, you know, the weaker dollar is obviously playing into this inflationary backdrop. And there's kind of concerns around the amount of debt that we're taking on, which is which is dollar negative as well. But, you know, when you start to tie this in with Fed policy and the employment report, there's a lot of dynamics here. And I think certainly looking at the jobs report on Friday is going to be critical. We had that huge mess back in the month of April as economists were expecting something like a million new jobs to be added and it was only around 200,000. And that was something that actually caused the 10-year treasury to retreat a little bit as far as the yield went and caused you know some, some weakness there. That's right. And, and as we look forward, you know, the Fed has obviously given us an indication that they want inflation to run hot. They expect it to be transitory. So much discussion has been had around this. You know, and we agree that, that inflation will be transitory, but what's important to understand here is that the bond market has already priced in quite a bit of growth, quite a bit of inflation, and said rate hikes actually starting next year, where we actually don't think that they start until 2023 after a year of tapering. So a lot of this has already been priced in. And think about tapering. I think the consensus out there is that, all right, when the Fed starts tapering, we're gonna see this spike in the yield of the 10-year treasury. If you actually look back at the last two examples of tapering back in 2011 and in 2013, we actually saw the yield on the 10-year treasury come down and the yield curve flatten. Mm -hmm. And for us, this is a signal, the Fed signals they start to taper. All right, investors are a little bit more concerned about taking risk. Perhaps they actually embrace the long end of the curve instead of selling. Uh, and I think that that's a narrative that hasn't really been kind of discussed or examined very much. The idea that you know, tapering could actually you know, lead to flat or lower bond yields as opposed to this uh, takeoff. Uh, it's definitely a huge point, right? Because we're kind of associating the taper talk in the same realm as the potential for the economy reheating, but arguably those two forces could be acting against each other. Is that possibly why we're getting bond yields so contained in this range the last two months, even while inflation just seems to really be getting started and the reopening just beginning in earnest? Yes, we saw a huge move. Remember, seems like yesterday, right, that the yield on the 10-year treasury yeah. was 50 basis points, and then we got all the way up to 175 basis points, and now we're settling back into a range. And I think that huge run-up that we saw was really a pricing in or a reflection of the growth and inflation expectations that were expected to come through. Uh, you know, we're starting to see it. In our view, we're in sort of the eye of the storm as far as inflationary pressures go. You know, the base effects are obviously playing a big role here. We're seeing things like used cars and hotel rooms, you know, surge as, as uh, demand kind of comes back to the surface here post COVID. But we expect that those forces to largely be uh, transitory. And, and that's one of the reasons that we think it's dangerous uh, to be in the shortest term parts of the bond market right now. The return potential is incredibly low. And again, you might actually see that
yield curve flatten as the Fed does pursue tapering from here. Great point and a crucial one for us to think about. Emily, really good conversation. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Good to see you. Emily Rowland joining us from John Hancock, co-chief investment strategist with some really important points to consider as we transition tomorrow to a more traditional macroeconomic discussion after today's.